Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Nipora. This week, we're diving into journeyman distilling and green door. So sit back, relax, grab your drinks, and we hope you enjoy the show. And we're live, baby. Hey, welcome back to The Nipora Podcast. Nick is here. And Shalanda Taylor, we're back with episode 68. Yeah, Shalanda, we're going to talk about the two stops we made on our way to Pure Michigan, our first uh, real getaway of the year, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Journeyman Distillery. That's in uh, Three Oaks, Michigan. And then we went to Kalamazoo mm-hmm. to Green Door Distilling, mm-hmm. which is uh, Kalamazoo's first distillery till since 1858. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the two episodes, the two episodes, the two distilleries on this episode. Um, and we're sipping on something from Journeyman. Okay. It's uh, Shalanda's favorite. Of the tasting, I enjoyed it most. So it is called... Not a king rye. Oh, who's that on the cover there? I don't know, but I'm about to color him black. He looks like uh, the oh, Jorge. Looks like old Jorge Washington, Johnny Appleseed himself with the wooden teeth. It looks like George Washington on the cover. Now, they said, uh, Journeyman said that this was a um, a President's Day release mm-hmm. that by popular demand, they just may put it in the year-round lineup, right? Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about our, our, um, our trip to Journeyman here in a second. Uh, but first, uh, let's talk about a little bit of news. Are you okay with that? Go for it. Yeah, how do we sound? Sound great. Okay. So um, Peerless is in the news with a rum barrel finished bourbon. It's the first rum barrel finished bourbon. Uh, the release is going to be Saturday, August 20th at Peerless. Yeah. From 10 to 2. So that's a cash drink authoring. Um, I, my love for Peerless knows no bounds, I think. They are one of the best kept secrets in all of bourbon, I think. Yeah. Last time we went, I think that was my favorite stop. But it was only it was one of two stops, but I was just kind of blown away at their level of detail and how much they care about the process so they don't have to put out older whiskeys, mm-hmm. you know, because they care about, you know, quality in, quality out. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool spot. So they're in the news. And then I don't know if you saw it, but... It sounds like the next Booker's is going to be a single barrel. Really? Yeah, I think it's the first single barrel in uh, in the Booker's program. So, um, those things are cool. Um, so let's talk about Journeyman. Let's go. Yeah, what was your favorite part about the Journeyman Distillery? Um, for one, they had a really nice space. It's a huge space. It's huge. Um. So you can, you know, stop in, get you some cocktails, and get you something to eat. He about to break the glass, y'all. What be saying? And get you something to eat. Um, but my favorite part was, of course, the tasting. You know, def- definitely seeing what they had to offer. Um, corset whips and whiskeys is not really my jam by itself, but I will say this, it does make amazing cocktails. So if you kind of circle back to the website and go to the cocktails, um, I did make one out of that. It was called um, Low Down and Dirty. That's the one with the Billy Dean Williams uh, Ebony Magazine photo. Okay. Um, but I really enjoyed the tasting. And of that tasting was Not a King, which, I mean, to me... It's like the best one in their lineup. Okay. I mean, I enjoy some of the others, like the cherry. The ooh, the, the cherry. It was a cherry pit yeah. whiskey. Yeah. That was good. I wouldn't want a whole bottle of that, but it was good. Yeah, they had a cherry pit whiskey. They had the leather bone, mm-hmm. which I think I liked. It was kind of a no frills, ninety proof kind of classic 
bourbon flavor mm-hmm. whiskey, right? Like a good trunk whiskey. Yeah. Right. Um, they are apparently certified organic and kosher. Okay. Yeah. So they're one of the few certified organic distilleries in the United States. So they're all organic spirits produced without the use of synthetic fertilizers, artificial pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or genetically modified organisms. So when you see that they are certified organic and kosher, um, does it cause you some concern? It makes me feel like um, even Legro, which is a local brewery, they always talk about how they're organic. So is everyone else not organic? Is that what that implies? Right. It's like no one else is going out of their way to say that they are these things. I mean, okay. So for me, when you hear the word organic, when it comes to alcohol, it don't really phase me. I mean, I'm I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, shit, it just don't. I don't. I don't really care what other people are doing as far as their processes. But um, I think when you go out of your way to kind of label it, and they may be doing that, and, and kudos to them. But I also think it's kind of this is almost like a gimmick because you know. People, I don't think real people really care how organic their liquor is. They just well, I mean, sure I, I, I sort of care, right? I think, um, you know, I think when we were talking about quality and quality out with Peerless, and I think one of their one of their one of their um, ethos, if you will, is that they don't use um, they don't want to introduce any elements to the process that they don't have to. So. When they um, when they char their oak barrels, they take a longer process and they use burning wood to char the inside of the barrel because they don't want gasoline fired wood to affect uh, gasoline fired gasoline fires that burn the inside of the barrel. They don't want the gasoline from that propane to affect the taste that's in the barrel when it's charred. They'd rather just use open fire. And char their bills that way, right? I think that attention to detail is, you know, I think it's noteworthy. And, and in Peerless's case, you know, but they use a sweet mash too. But in Peerless's case, I think it affects the way the product tastes too. You know, yeah, I mean, then, so they're also doing it like on a on a smaller scale than a, compared to a lot of other people. So and then, so I mean, because think about it, I think when we went, they only they may have grown since. I think they only have what maybe twenty five employees <laughs> doing the whole damn thing. Yeah, they had a really large footprint nationwide for that to be such a small operation. Right. So and when you have um that small of a staff, then you can definitely you definitely focus on quality control. Yeah. At that point. Um I think one thing I I wish we could have maybe we should we shut up late for the tour. But maybe they would have talked about journeyman's been well known in in these parts for a long time. You go to the local beverage shoppy and you're likely to see, you know, five to 10 different options for, for journeyman pretty much year round. Right. They're in a lot of ways are a local distillery so much so that they actually got their start at Chicago's oldest distillery. Um, Cobalt. Yeah. A place we, I think we've, we don't, I don't know if we've been there. I've been on their tour, mm-hmm. but we haven't been at their tasting room that opened last year or this right. year, but Cobalt, um, it sounds like Koval was very inspirational to them. You know, their um, their Ravenswood Rye. Which they had to change the name. They had to change the name from Ravenswood Rye to uh, Last Feather Rye. Mm-hmm. But on the back of the bottle, they say you, they kept the RR to talk about the old name, you know, pay mm-hmm. tribute to the old name. And then they still have the Ravens uh, wings on the back. So they have heavier Chicago roots than I thought, right? I just yeah. assumed, you know. 
they kind of got their footing a little faster because they were a Michigan distillery and they were close. And Michigan loves importing things to Chicago. Wisconsin does too. All surrounding states do. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was because of that. But I think it's, I didn't know they were distilling. They paid to distill on Koval's system when Koval wasn't using it. That's so cool. that was interesting. Right. It was also very interesting to hear like the owner, um, I guess now he's like kind of set up in Valparaiso. So mm-hmm. he's setting up a, like a full campus of, he's opening up journeyman in Valparaiso. So this location is going to have a bowling alley, a skating rink. A brothel. <laughs> did not say that. Oh, a brewery, sorry. A brewery. Um, what about they- Ferris wheel? I don't know. Um, I mean, at this point, anything is possible. And that's supposed to open up um, next year, and they had to push it back because of COVID. So it's going to open up next year. So yeah. it's like, well, what, what's next? The movie theater? Farmer <laughs> yeah. Climax? I don't know. But yeah, it sounds like they got grand plans. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you, man, um, you know, the whiskey is always in these little handsome cologne shaped bottles, you mm-hmm. know, and they always had like, you know, these really cool names referencing, you know, either bird feathers or bones. A lot of them do. Um, well, that ties back to the building that they're in. That's Be- right. Because yeah. the building they're in was initially um, a corset factory yeah. in the 1800s. And that, you know, that took off for a minute. And then, you know, because I think at the, at the one point in time, the, the corsets were made out of you know, like whale bones, right. and, you know, turkey caucuses or whatever, which is hence why they use a lot of the names those things in their whiskey. Yeah, I think in uh, as they transition from whale bones, they they learn that you could use like the bones of a, a chicken. I think a, yeah, a turkey carcass, a turkey carcass, yeah. and that served the, the same purpose for the uh, for the corset. And then when the corset went out of style, they use it for whips. Mm-hmm. They could use the same process to make whips for horses. And um, yeah, so there's actually like a lineage that goes back to the 1800s that kind of affects the way they do business now. Um, was something that we caught um, that caught our attention was. You know, we know people that have, you know, summer homes up in Michigan. And it sounds like the guy who started this, you know, corset and whips factory, um, he had a summer home in Evanston. Yeah. So it, it works both ways, right? If you live yeah. in Michigan, you come to Chicago for the summer and vice versa, right? You, everyone likes to just cruise up and down Lake Michigan and those little towns that exist there. So it was a good trip. Like Shalana said, we tried um, shit at noon. And it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon and uh, we're drinking like 10 different spirits, you know, everything from the gin to all the flavored whiskeys. I I can't name them all. And, uh, you know, I left my sheet there, so I can't even give you tasting notes on them all. But the two we liked the most were the leather, the leather, um, leather bone. I thought it was feather bone. Feather bone. Thank you. Feather bone. And this uh, and this not a king ride, which actually doesn't really taste like a rye at all. I'm kind of surprised by yeah. that. Because you know what rye is, you get hit with a, a spicier note. Yeah. And this one is, it has a little bit of spice, but you get more of the caramel, the sweetness, and it's, it's pretty well balanced, and I really enjoy it. The spice the spice and the, and the rye really shows up in a floral manner more than anything, which is, is pleasant. It's a very pleasant sip. I will give it that. Oh, but I wanted to talk about uh, the Field Museum. They made a whiskey for the Field Museum. Mm-hmm. And then um, the Field insisted that they have a unique uh, mash bill for the offerings that they made. So they made the whiskey and then they made a fig. Uh, what is it? A black fig? A black mission fig version of the whiskey? That's the Field rye. Yeah. So they made the whiskey and then they made a rye with fig in it for them. Uh, we talked about the cherry pit wheat, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Corset Whips and Whiskey is on the map nationally because... Of Fred Minnick's uh, Ascot Awards, which is kind of his, you know, 
his annual award show. Yeah. Uh, and Corset Whips and Whiskey won Best in Show there. Now, that's just the cask strength version of their buggy whip wheat. But these are 100% wheat whiskeys. They're straight up wheaters. They're not wheat blended with any other grain. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Um, we compared the Corset Whips and Whiskey the um, before it won any awards. We compared it head up with, uh, it was a weeded bourbon showdown where we had it next to Larceny. Larceny B520, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think we, it was a split decision. I think one of us liked the German and the other one liked the, uh, the, the weeder from Larceny. But when we had it at the, sh- at yesterday, well, A, it's $70 compared to the other offerings, which are closer to like 40 to $50, mm-hmm. right? And they're capitalizing on the win. That's fine. But there's a huge char note in that Corset Whips and Whiskey, which I guess can be interesting for some people, but. When you have it in line up with their other stuff, I don't think it's it wasn't my favorite one. Yeah. So it was interesting to point out, right? Like things that get all the that get a lot of hype, you know, might not suit your palate. I, I was left thinking that. And also these boys do a killer job with this fucking space, man. This space is gorgeous. It's actually probably the coolest space we saw all weekend. And we probably went to like ten different spots. But mm-hmm. that had to be the coolest place. Detroit style pizza. They have um I think it's called somebody's folly, Walter's folly, Weller's folly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they have a PGA regulation nine hole uh, putting course mm-hmm. behind the distillery. Right. right? So uh, it's, it's it's actually an amazing spot. You know, when we were telling other people in Michigan that we went there, they were like, yeah, you know, my, my so-and-so got married there. You know, I had my birthday there, shit like that. So right. it, uh, we use the word, we, we try to define what a destination location is. And I think for us in Chicago, this was, I think this was definitely it. Yeah, it's you only know? like, it was, it only took like an hour and a half to get to Germany. Shit, on a bad day, it might take you 90 minutes to get to Naperville. Right. You know what I mean? During rush hour and shit like that. So I thought this place was great, man. This was probably my favorite stop on the the whole fucking weekend. Mm -hmm. So um, it was cool to get the backdrop story. And cheers to them, man. We left with a couple bottles that we see all the time in the store we never bothered to get. So, Mm -hmm. which that's what a road trip is supposed to do. So this being a distillery podcast, uh, we'll skip over all the beer shit we did. And we'll talk about uh, Green Door Distilling in Kalamazoo. Our trip... Our Three Oaks, Michigan, where Journeyman was, was just the the prelude to the, the weekend in Kalamazoo. Yeah. So this is all southwestern Michigan. So all within like two and a half hours straight northeast of Chicago, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, the boys, they have a they have a brewery that's like uh, maybe like a two, three minute walk from them. Mm-hmm. And they were so excited to tell us about how they got a barrel from Green Door Distilling. And, you know, so we slid over there and... Uh, what the fuck? We walk in this place and it's very is- sexy. So first of all, we went up to Kalamazoo. So shout out to Discovery Kalamazoo for inviting me up and wanted me to check out Kalamazoo and you know it just experienced the city. So it was on the list of suggestions. And then not only that, but people like when we were going on these tours, the first thing that you know they would say, "Y'all, you gotta stop by Green Door." So it was a few steps from another brewery. We decided to circle back and hit it up. Brewery Outray. <laughs> <laughs> um, very sexy, cool, intimate vibe. Amazing cocktails, amazing cocktails. So, like, if you're definitely in Kalamazoo, it's, that's a def- that's a must stop at. Yeah, so Kalamazoo surprisingly has like a downtown, and actually, uh, like over two. Well, their area code is two six nine. So, in their brochure, they list two hundred sixty nine places where you can hang out and chill, mm-hmm. or you know, get into shit. And I was kind of surprised at how heavy. 
the food, art, and you know, spirit scene was in such a small town. It's not like they have a basketball team or a baseball team mm-hmm. or no shit. It's just a little regular South West Michigan town, and they just got a bunch of cool shit going on. It's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, oh, but Green Door Distilling, um, I you know, looking back on it, I wish we'd get the age of these places, mm-hmm. you know, how long they've been around, and then how much they're producing. We didn't do that at either one of these stops, so yeah. that would have been cool. Oh, but Green Door, apparently during Prohibition, if you saw a building that had a green door, you knew it was um, alcohol-friendly during Prohibition. So the name kind of refers to that. And like Shalanda mentioned, when you walk in, it's like you kind of stepped into... We were looking at doing like um, a, a rebrand of our uh, of our logo because it's kind of mid-century modern. It's kind of Art Deco. So we hung out and watched me and Shalanda watch these Art Deco YouTube videos for like an hour. And then it feels like that. It feels like you've stepped into that kind of space a little bit, mm-hmm. right? But then it's also got a very kind of charming um, cottage vibe, right? Where there's a ton of outdoor space. And then um, it doesn't, it's not a place that takes itself too seriously. It's a place that does really want to let you know, hey, we execute cocktails very well. So we had a, uh, would you have a, a blueberry? I had the Crimson Sunset, which was kind of their ver- their spin on like a pomegranate martini. That's what I had because it came in a martini glass. And then you had something different. I want to say it was a blackberry whiskey sour. I, I believe that was it. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty good. It was really good. These were fantastic cocktails. Now, they do have whiskey, but looking at their website, they don't list the whiskey. So I'm, they're probably sourcing the whiskey. But they're making uh, vodka... Uh, Amaro and Jen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. uh, very cool spot. So the topic of uh, this this episode is uh, Midwestern distilleries. You know, Mm -hmm. we haven't hit up any Chicago distilleries yet, but we hit up two in Michigan and uh, had ourselves a good old time, man. I think we got to make it a point to do that for the people. I mean, we can't be in our own city and not visit our own distilleries. Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on. But um, I will say this, man, if you're anywhere in the um, in the Midwest and you see uh, journeyman stuff on the shelf, you know, this not a king, which was a limited release and is now year round. It's 90 proof. Uh, it's a rye whiskey. And um, I don't know what to say about this, man. It's a uh, it's very approachable. It's very flavorful. And it's an interesting take on a rye. Because of the type of notes you get, you don't get those classic um, kind of mint or strong herbal spice notes. You get like a softer kind of um, botanical impression from the from this rye. I think so, that is so true. Yeah, man. Um, that's it. That's all I got, man. You got anything else, Shalanda? Um, that's it for me as well. Okay. So until next time, guys. Where can I find you? Hey, man. Uh, I'm on Twitter. At Nicosio. And you can find me individually at Afro Beer Chick. And collectively, you can catch us at The Neat Pour. So until next time, you guys, peace out.